Hello and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. This week, as you can tell, we are live. You can now find us streaming live every Sunday morning. I know it's Monday evening, but we had some technical difficulties on twitch.tv slash 307RPG. We invite you to come join us, chat with us as we record the weekly show. That's kind of the big news for the week, at least for us anyway. Nolan, I I, I do want to say thank you so much because it was your hard work that got this all put together. So kudos to you, my friend. We are going to figure it out somehow, some way. <laughs> that is right. And I'm going to send out a tweet real quick to let people know that we're live and see if they want to come chat with us. Okay, so I just sent that out. So maybe we'll get some folks to pop in. Uh, maybe not. Who knows with the first show here. If you are in uh, chat, please say hello. Uh, it would be great to say hi to everybody. Um, but Nolan, I'm going to let you handle the chat as I work our way through the news. Before we jump into that, um, I have to say, did you have a good Christmas? Did you have a good New Year's? What did you do? Anything exciting? Stayed home. Enjoyed the lockdown. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, a 307 alum, uh, Zane, our buddy Zane, was in is in town, and we were supposed to go out there and see him and play uh, a couple of games with him and his family, but his brother came down with COVID, and we decided it's probably best. Even though my wife and I both had it, we, we decided it's probably best not to go. So we stayed home, although I think Zane and I are going to try to play some magic over Zoom tomorrow, so we'll see. Uh, it'll be good to to do a little bit of that. I haven't played Magic in a long time. I think it's never the same as being in front of somebody else watching you destroy their soul when your ad nauseum goes off. Um, <laughs> but at least I could uh, turn off my camera so you couldn't see me crying. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I, on the other hand, found my way back into Azeroth uh, as I'm once again playing World of Warcraft between listening to you and my friend Mary talk about the game and, and, and truthfully, my own love of the game, I decided I had to come back. Uh, so far, I'm enjoying it. I'm leveling my de a demon hunter uh, on the Nessingwari server, and it's been fun. Um, I'm not used to seeing so low hit points, and I, usually I play a tank and I did a level boost. So I can only do a DPS spec, so I'm not used to shit killing me. Makes sense. I wonder why. I, I'm sure there's something there where you can swap over to. I don't. It's been a while since I've done a tutorial um, or any of that stuff going. So, but yes. Welcome back. I guess enjoy your stay. Hopefully, it doesn't <laughs> latch on. It probably already it? has. As I Jones playing, but that's cool. Yeah, we'll have to. I'm gonna have to try and get an alliance guy because since you guys play alliance, I play horde, and uh, I'm okay with that. I, I could stand to see the other faction. Um, so our topic of the week, because we do have a topic, is going to be uh, we're gonna take a look at the Scarlands resource book, Frostlands of Fenrilic. Nolan and I will be giving our thoughts on the book and whether or not we recommend it, and uh, you know, just basically what our overall thoughts are. We we do have the PDF that we share, but we also got a print on demand version, and I'll be showing that a little bit later too, because we've talked often about the quality of the books that we get through Drive Through RPG and their PODs. Uh, a system and I, I, this is a great chance for us to show it off because uh, you know we talk about it so much but before we do that let's dive into the news there's not a whole lot of news to talk about but there are some things that happened that i thought would be interesting so like i said like typically we do dnd &D, there's not much coming out of the wizards of the coast camp i'd imagine game stores all over are once again sold out of tasha's cauldron of everything uh, i know christmas probably uh, took its toll on the supplies of that book. I personally got two copies of it, one for my son and one for my brother. They were both very, very happy to get it. Nolan, you have been enjoying that book through D&D Beyond, correct? I have. I, I haven't had the time to spend with it. It's nice to get back to playing some D&D. I know we're getting the game going. And of course, instead of using that, I'm playing a Blood Hunter. Uh, and then we're talking about playing a Scarlands game. So maybe I can steal something from there. But I... I like the options. I think there's literally no build off the table. Uh, I think there's lessers in a multi-class to fill in those gaps of what you feel like you're missing. And as it goes forward, I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, I really want to play a sorcerer again, uh, just off of the meta magic of being able to change your spells. So now all of a sudden you have sure. a lightning ball instead of a fireball uh, or whatever the situation goes. And I think that would be neat for somebody like uh, Sheree who played a dragon fire sorcerer uh, down in the depths of hell, uh, being just a fire mage, being able to con contribute and, and, and throw some spells and not feel useless. So I, I love that change. I think that'll help them. Uh, probably not as strong as being just a wizard or a bard still, but getting closer. 
Yeah, uh, like I said, Aiden, my son, was super excited. In fact, we were coming out of the store the other day, and he saw one of his friends. He's like, hey, guess what I got for Christmas? And they started just nerding out on Tasha's, which, you know, made me go, yep, that's my son. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. Um, so that's really all the news that I've seen coming out of D&D. There's not a whole lot going on. I know they're in their kind of uh, winter break, as you will. Uh, they should be coming back to work here soon, With I'd imagine may have been today i can't remember um i do want to mention although not official watsi news but still watsi related uh there was i want to talk about the passing of jackie casada jackie was a designer and writer who is most known for her works on white wolf uh, white wolf lines from the late 90s to the early 2000s uh, those game lines include change the dreaming and Meiji ascension she also worked on ravenloft which i think is important that we mentioned here in DD because well as I've said millions of times, Ravenloft is one of my favorite D&D settings. Uh, that was for the 3.5 uh, version of D&D. She passed away on December 29th from complications due to COVID-19. Jackie was 72. There has a been there has been a GoFundMe set up by Phil Bricado of Mage the Ascension fame. Uh, that they're just trying to help recover some costs from her hospital expenses to. Uh, kind of offset that to benefit her widow nikki ray so if if there's something you are interested in donating to i do have a link in the show notes um our thoughts go out to jackie and her family uh you know as someone who has dealt with covid and, and someone who thought very possibly that they're gonna lose their wife to covid this time this kind of stuff hits home and i thought it especially being gaming related it was very important that we mentioned it absolutely that is all the news i have for DD, unless you saw something I did not. It seemed like we got a lot of the stuff with uh, uh, Dragonlance potential and that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm hoping for some big, exciting news coming with the new year. Right, right. Well, let's jump over to Onyx Path. As we have talked about, the Kickstarter for Dead Man's Rust has come to a close. They were successful in that. The initial ask was for 15000 The ending funds came in at $30,076. Now, that is pre-backer kit stuff. Onyx Path likes to keep their stuff open on backer kit. So if you did miss the initial Kickstarter, you can still buy in through backer kit. Uh, Nolan, you backed this one for 307RPG. What can you tell us about it? Unlike it had gone to layout, uh, and that's kind of what Travis had been working on to getting that finalized. Um, you know, I haven't gotten any news since the last time we really talked about it. There's a few of the, what are they called? Uh, what are they called? The little Kickstarter previews um, and some of the chapters, uh, getting some ideas basically kind of of the areas and that. So I, I'm trying not to read it too much because I want to play it. So. Which, it's tempting not to spoil myself. So, sure, sure, and 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 maybe with our Scarlands group that we're starting on Monday, um, on Mondays, I should say that might be something we can look at. I'm not sure. We may be looking at Frostlands of Fenrilic and just keep it with a whole northern thing since we're playing in the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden too. We'll see. If, if there's anything to be learned about Scarlands, is it's there's a lot of places to go visit and. Uh, all of them are equally deadly. So if you feel like you've had enough of one area, don't worry. It's worse everywhere. So <laughs> It really is. The very ground itself will try to kill you. Um, speaking of Kickstarters, I was pleasantly surprised to receive my copy of Contagion Chronicle. This was a Kickstarter for Chronicles of Darkness that closed in April of 2019. Uh, as usual, the quality of this book is exceptional. Uh, I flipped through it briefly. I haven't had a whole lot of time to look at it because we've got so many other things going on. But I did flip through it briefly. It looks fantastic. Uh, again, it's you know it's an Onyx Path Kickstarter, and typically Onyx Path Kickstarters are incredibly well done. This is not like the deluxe edition that um, that we should be seeing with uh, the Technocracy Kickstarter that I did, but it is still you know the Kickstarter edition of the book, and it is again a high quality book. They do so good that work. was nice. They do. They do. It was a pleasant surprise. I, I, I think I got notice of shipping a day uh, the day after I got it. <laughs> well, I guess we'll come to that one in a second. Uh, Onyx Path also released the final installment of Visuals Watch, which is a supplement for the Scarlands, and that happened this past week. This is, of course, the multi-part supplement like Yugman's Watch. This was released on opposite months of Yugman's Watch. So we had Yugman's Watch one month, Visuals Watch the next. Yugman's Guide, sorry, and Visuals Watch next. Uh, I'm a couple of installments behind on Visuals Watch. I haven't kept up with that one like I did with Yugman's, so I'm going to have to go and pick up the last few copies. I imagine that's something you and I will probably want to take a look at. 
I know I got uh, the books like at a little discounted sale price with the Kickstarter as well. So nice, nice. Um, but much like Watsy, there's just not a whole lot of news coming out of Onyx Paths Camp. We know they are hard at work at several projects, including uh, an unnamed They Come From project, which I'd imagine we'll see as a Kickstarter in 2021, which if it's going to be anything as good as uh, They Came From Beneath the Sea, having just read through those books, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Let's shoot over to Modifius. Well, we're just kind of cruising through things here. Actually, before we jump over to uh, Modifius, uh, let's go to, I believe it's Hunter's Entertainment and talk about, I got this random, at least I thought it was random, uh, email this morning, notification today from uh, Gamerati, I think it was. Yeah, Gamerati saying that my package had shipped. And I was so confused because I have—I've—I don't think I've ever ordered anything from Gamerati.com. I had no clue what this was. I honestly thought, "What the hell did my son do? That little shit has bought something and <laughs> potentially used my debit card because I'm getting notifications for it." So I was very confused about this because I got it in the shop app, and then I jumped over to my email, checked it real quick, and I'm like, "Oh, well, that's really cool. The Altered Carbon book has shipped." Oh, fantastic! So that is something we should have in the next couple of days. And I am super excited about that book. Yeah, after the uh, disappointment of Cyberpunk, it would be some good news. Yeah, you know, I still have not played Cyberpunk since that very first day. I just have not gone back to it. And, and I think that's more me than it is the game. I struggle sometimes with games that it's easy for me to come down here into the office, close the door, play WoW, not worry about anything else. Whereas Cyberpunk's on the Xbox and it's in the living room and, you know, my wife and my son are around and they sure as hell don't want to sit there and watch me play Cyberpunk. They might. You should try it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> No, just watch this. Enjoy it. Yeah, just watch this. Here, look, the wiener fell out. <laughs> we'll just sit here on the character creation screen. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Um, let's jump over to Modifius, who recently announced the opening of pre-orders for Dune Adventures in the Imperium RPG. This is currently available, or currently available are the core rulebooks, the collector's edition rulebook, dice journals, GM screens, and toolkits and more. It really looks quite amazing. Uh, I personally struggled reading Dune. I think I read it probably too young. I don't know. Nolan, you read this fairly young, didn't you? I was actually pretty late. Okay. Uh, what would be late? Uh, I want to say probably 24, 25. Uh, okay. A buddy of mine, uh, Pete, is loved it, made me read it, get excited for it. And, and yeah, it's a very political... Uh, yeah, it's like a good vampire game, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like the, the layers okay. are deep and the you are being good in combat is every bit uh, a duelist of words as well. And I think it'd be an interesting way to uh, get into some sort of back and forth like that in like a, a 5e game or something like that. It's like, okay, roll to attack. Well, in this one here, okay, uh, roll for initiative. All right, you, you're talking to the king. You get to speak first. What do you say? Uh, okay, make a perception check. Okay, you got, or a persuasion check. You got a 16. This is the guy who you're going against who's calling you a liar or whatever. You know, defend yourself in a court and you're just going back and forth off of persuasion and bluffing and intimidation and, and, you know, trying to trip them up. And, and that's kind of what this one is. It seems like there's people who are way too smart and it's all the political niceties of, you know, not using the right influx of a tone of somebody's voice causes grave insult in a court that could doom your family, you know, like that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's interesting, but it is, it's kind of a tough read. Yeah. I, I think I started to try, I tried to start. Hmm, let me try that again. I, I think I tried to read it around 16 and I just could not get into the book. Yeah, I could see that. So maybe it's one of those that I should go back and, and read and possibly even watch. Um, it's I mean, it's been years. Get it done before the movie comes out or maybe do it after the movie comes out and see yeah. how close they were. 
Yeah, possibly. Um, but that was all I saw over at Modiphius. I think there were some new miniatures being released uh, for Skyrim or other games that they do. You know, Modiphius has a ton of lines that they're servicing. Uh, so I, I didn't look too deep. I just saw the um, release for uh, Dune, and I thought that was pretty significant. I still think you and I should take a look at the Conan game. I think that's something that you and I would probably enjoy. Uh, it's a great world, and and the books are great, and... I don't. Yeah, it's another one of those kind of blank canvas fantasy settings outside of you know Conan's out there, uh, right? <laughs> but other than that, you could probably burn most of the villages to the ground and 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 make it your own world. And with the people we play with, that's probably exactly what would happen. Conan would have to make an appearance to put us in place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I noticed Cubicle 7, uh, fans of the Warhammer Fantasy RPG may be excited to hear about the new source book for the game, Middenheim, City of the White Wolf, currently available for pre-order on the Cubicle 7 website. This book carries a price tag of $39.99 and is slated to ship around Q2 of 2021. Nolan, did you ever look at the Warhammer Fantasy MMO? I did play it. Uh, I got to play in Alpha and Beta with some friends. And really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it had a lot of stuff that was really good for its time, and really kind of set the stage for some other games to come up in the future. One of the big ones was kind of the uh, world events that would go on, and you could just run up to the event and click a button, and it would join like a world group, and you'd be in a raid event fighting a big monster. And that got carried over to Rift, uh, and that was kind of a, a similar in vain game. Uh, and eventually kind of got carried over and picked up with Guild Wars 2. But it was it was a good game. Balancing was kind of an issue. Uh, but I know that there is a, I can't think of, like a private server floating around out there of the original game files that people still actively oh, wow. play, really enjoy. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Crazy. Yeah, no, I, I've I've heard the game is good. I've heard the the RPG is really good. In fact, the guys over at I think it's Darker Days Radio are a big fan of it. Uh, I know that Warhammer Fantasy, I love the novels for Warhammer Fantasy. I, I, in fact, I love the novels for Warhammer 40k as I look over at my collection of both. Uh, Gotrick and Felix are fantastic. I know that fantasy changed quite a bit to, I forget what they call it now, um, Age of Sigmar, that's what it's called, for the miniature, the actual strategy war game. So there were some major changes in the strategy war game that I'm used to, but overall, I think Games Workshop does a fantastic job with their games, uh, be it RPGs or their war games. So I think it'd be worth checking out if you're a fan of the Warhammer Fantasy RPG. Again, that is going to be on the Cubicle 7 website. It is available for pre-order, which should ship around Q2 2021. I will say that the fun fact on that there is World of Warcraft was originally a Warhammer game and the deal fell through towards the end and they were not happy with it and said, okay, then go your own way. So Warhammer went back to the drawing board to do their thing and World of Warcraft had this entire world created and decided that they were going to make their own thing and ended up being the bigger deal. So. Fair but the, the very early, you know, the elves and the, the orcs and stuff like that were all based around uh, Warhammer. I didn't know that. What could cool. have been. Right, right. Well, that is all the news I see. Uh, I'm going to just ask chat real quick if there's something that they happen to know about that, uh, that we don't, that they want to tell us about. Yeah, I was taking a look at... Uh, Tasha's uh, PDDZ Gaming was asking a little bit about the Ranger fixes uh, from Tasha's. And I think there was some nice avenues in there to add skills uh, to create kind of an opportunity to not just have the thief be the better skill monkey scout so you could get some uh, rid of some of those natural explorer feats that you may never use. Um, and, I, and I think that's different for every game as well because sometimes it's like, okay, it's a three-day travel keep watch, nothing happens, keep watch, nothing happens, keep watch, nothing happens, and you're there, and the ranger didn't really get to shine with their natural explorer stuff. So adding some skill proficiencies and some expertise to the ranger was uh, very much needed. Um, so I, I think there are some good fixes, uh, adding of some new spells that will help a little bit. Uh, and the ability to kind of go more of a cantrip master than a martial master, I think they added the paladin and ranger, which would be interesting to see. I don't know if it'd be as good, but I think that's just because archery is so strong. But I, I think it's not bad. It's getting closer, being able to dump some of that nature's uh, 
the travel fluff that most groups probably skip over or don't get used very often uh, i think was kind of nice and again you know having a natural i played a ranger in scarlands whose uh natural explorer area was the coast and we never saw it so it never came up so anyway that's true well cool um i know you are always cued into what they're doing with the ranger so i think every book you're like hmm what are they doing with the ranger which is I'm, good I'm, because I'm still waiting for the there perfect. Was, there's some there's some interesting stuff for Rangers and Frostlands of Fenrilic. That's a pretty cool one too. Yeah, so I guess that means we can go ahead and transition to our topic of the night of the week, if you will, which is of course a supplement of for Scarlands, the Frostlands of Fenrilic. But before we dive in, into it, I reached out to our friend Travis Leg and asked him to give us a few words to say about this book. Now, if you're interested in this book after you hear Nolan and I ramble on for it about it, you can always purchase a copy of the book in multiple formats on Drive Through RPG. And I, and I wanted to mention, I'm going to go off mic here for just a second so I can show you guys. I did want to mention the POD of the book. Um, I think it was 1995, something like that for the book, which I love uh, less expensive books. I'm tired of paying, always paying $50 for books. I love books, so I'm probably going to buy it anyway, but it is nice to have a paperback option to pick up a book, pick up a nice supplement and, and, and not pay $50. Now this is not an official Onyx path supplement supplement. This is from the Slurisian vault. You can see that down in the corner there, which is the community content creation side of, of the scarred lands on drive through RPG. Some fantastic stuff coming out on the Slurisian vault, uh, which is true in a lot of the other areas where you can get community created content for role-playing games, be it Dungeons and Dragons, scarred lands, vampire, the masquerade, whatever. Uh, so I'm just, going to flip through this real quick so you guys can see it you can see the cover it is a shiny glossy cover and i'm going to flip through the pages i'll be off mic just a second nolan feel free to ramble on for me fair enough i i think just about of everything that they've done so far it's been very good i mean i don't think there's been a solution vault product i've picked up yet that wasn't bad the last mega campaign was really good uh the people involved in it uh are really good writers as well. So, you know, just because there wasn't everything, <laughs> just because there wasn't, uh, you know, an adventure necessarily you enjoyed or whatever, you know, the the story flowed well. And definitely looking forward to the next one. And I did snag a photo so I can get it to come up. There we go. So that's what the cover looks like for the, the people there. But kind of a, a cool frost theme adventure. That's a good looking cover art. So yeah, um, so that's what we're going to be talking about is that book right there. Thanks for popping that up, Nolan. It's also it's awesome that we could show the cover there. And again, that is available on Drive Through RPG. There's a link in the show notes. And every time you guys purchase something through the links that we provide on the show notes or through that uh, Drive Through RPG ad that we have at the top of our page, we get a little kickback and it helps us to purchase these books to talk about them on the show. All right, so let's let's dive into it. So I want to get, I want to read Travis's words on it first. Uh, so this is from Travis. Frostlands of Fenrilic is an expansion that introduces the frozen continent of Fenrilic to Scarlands 5th edition. Fenrilic is a remote, isolated tundra and provides a very different view of the Scarlands than players familiar with Gelsbad are accustomed to. The Divine War barely touched Fenrilic, and most residents of the roof of the world sorry, and most residents of the roof of the world think that the fall of the Titans is little more than a, than Southern folklore and exaggeration. Titan reverence and spiritual practice of, of Yushada are far more common on Fenrilic than worshippers of the god. Frostlands of Fenrilic not only introduces the continent for players and GMs, but also opens the continent up for community content development on the Slurisian Vault. The book is designed to provide a solid foundation with ample hooks for creators to build upon, producing their own content for sale on the Scarlands community content program. And that, so that's directly from Travis. I just copied and pasted his words into the show notes. And I, I do want to mention the, the community content program, because this is something Nolan and I have both kind of looked at. Um, they do a great job on the Slurisian vault. So where you can purchase assets like art and things like that to help flesh out. If you have something that you're working on that you want to potentially bring to drive through RPG, uh, they do have they do a great job of providing you with assets that you can purchase to use in your, your, your adventures or, or, or whatever. And, and, you know, Travis talks quite a bit about even if you don't want to write an adventure, but you you're like Nolan, where you can create a million damn characters in a day um, is a great opportunity for you to say, here are some, you know, four pre-made characters 
specifically designed for Frostlands of Fenrilic. And you can put them up on the Cerisian Vault, you know, throw a price tag of like one or two dollars, whatever, uh, three, four, whatever, and and potentially, you know, create yourself a small little revenue stream. Uh, I know a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but I know there are a few writers who use Drive-Thru RPG as a side gig, as a side hustle to help create, you know, some extra income for them. Absolutely. Which has nothing to do with Frostlands of Fenrilic, but... <laughs> This is just one of the many things that Nolan and I talk about. We talk about gaming and money. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Side hustle. Side hustle. Exactly. So Nolan, tell me your initial thoughts. You know, don't go into too much detail yet, but tell me your initial thoughts of this book. Okay. So this will be my only complaint because uh, I like everything else about it. And it, it's a silly one. And I think more places should do it. Give me the, the break it down like I'm a dummy on how you want me to pronounce some of this stuff. Uh, I struggle with a lot of the names, you know, uh, Ushada, Ushada, which one's right. Uh, you know, I think one of the major areas is Kovo Kimru, you know, and it's like, okay, so I'm saying it really slow. Are the J's silent? So that's all I can say out of that is give me a way to say it. Cause I'm going to say it six different ways talking about the same topic on the same time. So, um, other than that, uh, the art is great. Uh, the world seems deadly. I really like the races that they added. I like the classes that they added. Um, I didn't get too far into the creature side of things because I like to be surprised. Uh, I do know that Patrick was talking about some sort of frozen gelatinous cube that they call a like roving glacier. Um, and then I saw the art for it and it quite literally looks like a frozen gelatinous cube. Uh, so that was kind of the northern terrace type scary monster. Uh, the towns look really neat. The the setting looks cool. And it, it very well could be any type of setting. It doesn't have to be Scarred Lands. You could, it, it could be a trip to Antarctica for all you know. You've just never been there. Nobody's told you the stories of it. You show up and this is the world that you're playing in. So I think whether you decide to stay and uh, be a part of the area for the North for a long time would be really tough if you weren't born there because some of the terrains and the setting are very very deadly uh unless you're used to it so i think it'd be a fun place to visit and torture your people as long as they had a way out uh but if you're going to play up there uh, the races definitely make life a little bit easier travis often um compares or or says says that uh the scarred lands is the heavy metal of of role-playing games and, and and i know he's talking about you know not just you know heavy metal but the magazine heavy metal if you ever if you if anybody's old enough to remember that magazine um nope. uh, shut up <laughs> i know he's talking about some of that stuff too and and he's right when i think about like rhyme of the frost maiden which is a great book uh versus frostlands of fenrilic fenrilic is a far more dangerous place and Frostlands of, or I'm sorry, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden is a dangerous place. You know, the spine of the world is a dangerous place, but it's just something about the Scarlands as you and I've talked about before. The very ground itself will try to kill you. There is a crawling freaking glacier, <laughs> which is, and we'll get to that in a second, but uh, it's, it's a really, really neat realm. Um, so I was kind of just looking through it and, and I know we've both, you know, have read through this book. Uh, so I just wanted to give a quick overview. You know, when it first, at first, uh, with the book, your introduction, chapter one is talks about some of the, the culture, the history, where it comes from a little bit of the continent. It doesn't go into too much detail about settle settlements. That's later. You do find out some of the wildlife and it's vastly different. Uh, and, and again, it goes into some of the whole history and culture and, and, and even the climate. And I think this is something they did a great job in D with Cholt reminding people that um, you are in the jungle and humidity and heat exhaustion is a very real thing. And, and with this book, they do a fantastic job of reminding you it's fucking cold. <laughs> Make sure you are dressed appropriately. Unless you're one of the races that are made out of ice, then you're fine. Um, and then you have to worry about it if it's more than 40 degrees. But they do, the writers did a fantastic job. And we actually should mention the writers of this book real quick. So let me go back and talk about that real fast. So the writers of this book are Ailey Cat, the Conry, Jeremy Hohalter, Sarah Stewart, the Heretric, and of course, Travis Legg. Editor is Fran Stewart. Typesetting and design by Travis Legg. Cover uh, by Mike Mutant and Melino. 
Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. If I'm, and I know I am, I'm probably Dinino. Dinino. Uh, I'm sorry. I probably mispronounced the citizen's name. That's why I skipped over that part. Yeah, you were probably the smart one and not me, but <laughs> I still think it's important to talk about uh, who wrote the book. Yep. So, uh, so anyway, yes, thank you uh, for the writers. And I'm so sorry I butchered your names. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, chapter one goes into the history, the climate, the culture, things like that. Chapter two is where we really start getting into the locations and the cities. Now, there's some really interesting cities, and I and I want to talk about, I believe it's pronounced, and Travis, if you're listening or you watch this, uh, I'm pronouncing it Kovokimru. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and I can't even pronounce the bar, the N. Right. I was still stuck on the fact that there is a summer weather table. And if you roll a D100 and you get a 91 to 100, it's still a blizzard. So, yes, it's always cold. It is always cold. It is just a matter of how cold is it? Yeah. You know, and as someone who grew up in Alaska, I can say that sometimes it doesn't matter what the thermometer reads. It just matters how long you can be in it. Yeah, it, it quite literally says creatures also take one level of exhaustion per hour at night, which are particularly long during the winter and last for weeks over the winter solstice. And it's like, yeah, you're yep. not camping out. No. <laughs> yeah, I like um, you know, the civilization thing. You get a lot of these little cities uh, or towns or small villages. Uh, the The population seems to be mostly under about a thousand in these little things, uh, and that's if they are little communities. Uh, but for the most part, it seems like a lot of it is just kind of travel, uh, kind of get the feeling of, uh, you know, following the caribou type situation. You know, kind of that that native feel to it. Right. Um, I like Kovokimaru. I like some of the spaces or the places that they talk about in here. The inn. I'm going to do my best here, Travis. Again, you can tell me I screwed it up. Jermivika. Germ, whatever. Um, this is an inn. And there's, you know, and it goes into like what the common room, like what the bars, like what the storerooms, like the hallways, the kitchens, the stables, everything. And there's maps. There's detailed maps on each of these, from the basement to the second floor to the main floor. Uh, I also really liked how they talk about the proprietors of each of the inns and say this is what this person's like, and you know, here's also their partner and that's so what this you know this person's you know the gruff mean kind of person well this person will give away the farm if you know if, if given the chance so i really liked how they did that i thought that was very well done i think it helps build the world you know uh sometimes as a dm that can be a tough thing of you walk into a store like well what's his name and your player always asks the most random person of like here's this luxurious inn and these are all the people in it and everything's fine and the one person was like, what's the stable boy's name he looks right? like a good kid and you're just like that one i know everybody else in the building and you're asking for the guy that took your coat okay yeah you want to know the guy who just gave you the toilet paper what the hell's wrong with you the one guy you know don't add him to the game unless your character yeah, and you're that's planning on when them. that's when i end up creating some very ordinary name and you all look at me like what the fuck's your problem man yeah, yeah he looks like a steve okay fine <laughs> yeah fine He's is this his steve. cousin steve too okay steve too took my boots. yes that's exactly it <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I yeah, think the back layout to, is really good. Right. And I think back to uh, when we had uh, Zach Goins and David Barentine on, and we talked about the Kickstarter that they did of Orinth. Um, They did a great job there of creating a world where they gave you the NPCs, gave you just enough that as a storyteller, as a DM, you were able to say, okay, I have an idea of how this person would react. I can now role play this for my care for my players and, and give them, a, like you said, a world that has come to life and not just, okay, you walk into a bar. Well, I think giving um, a bunch of different personalities that way, if somebody is, if they're stuck at a spot or whatever, that good natured person could come along and, and have a tip and be trustworthy. Um, if they're not going in the right direction, you can coach them along. Uh, the other avenue is, is if they take a liking to someone, uh, you can work that person in the story and now they've kind of got their own thing or, you know, their, their clue or their tag or their hook could lead to a further part of the adventure as well so and, and we've seen that in some of our games in chult we had clevin the the merchant owner the shop owner that you guys who for no reason whatsoever suddenly became really good friends with and were constantly going to check on him when you came back to uh, port nine zaru in uh water deep dragon heist it was tally who lived across the way that dervar just 
<laughs> was always yeah always having to i mean eventually tally moved to Baldur's gate but whatever that's all right he came back derva brought him home okay gotcha um it goes on chapter two goes on to talk about other locations one of the places i really enjoyed was flop house the warehouse uh i love the fact that i think it's a dwarf that runs that he is constantly trying to convince people to take over the job for him just wants to be done I I laughed at that. I thought that was so neat. Such an interesting way to put it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you can stay here. And, and that's the other thing. It's a place where anybody can go. Adventures can go. They can stay there for free. They're just asked to help out. So it's like, yeah, you can stay here. Yeah, sweep the floor. That'd be great. You know, you do a really good job about that. Have you ever thought about running the warehouse? <laughs> and try to convince some poor schmuck to take over. It's a very Tom Sawyer way to look at things. Yeah, they do a they do a great job with the holidays as well, which I think is something that I overlook a lot um, as far as just what's the day, what's the year, what's the season, what's coming up. Uh, they really brought in something kind of home to me of like, that would be just kind of fun. Like if your adventurers have kind of done a thing and they have to be in a town or whatever, and it happens to be, you know, the long day's dawn or whatever. Hey, this event's coming up, hang out for a few days, you know, see what it is about. You know, I, I like that. It makes the world more alive. I agree. So that's chapter two. Fantastically done. I, again, love the fact that the NPCs that are mentioned, they give you just enough to be able to role play them for your players and, and able to create hooks off of the way the character or the way the NPCs are or the NPCs are. I know what I'm trying to say. Chapter three goes into some other locations like the Tober Gorge, which I thought was fascinating. That is a dangerous place to travel. I guess I should I mean, expect it because it is a scarred lands. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> I just love the idea. I think that would be just such a fun thing of I would have the best campaign going ever. And that's where my roles would fail me. And that's where that's where I could just see myself dying. Yeah, probably. Um, I thought it was interesting. They, they talk about like um, the windstorms that would flare up as you're walking across the um, the path that's been built and, and how like there is a chance you can fall and just be bye. Yep, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. Moving on. <laughs> Hope you brought yep. your backup. <laughs> I love that they talk about issues of like, oh, you think you're just going to fly over. Okay. Here's some issues for that. Yeah. I mean, so again, very well done. It's it's one of those things that, you know, as, as a DM, especially as a DM, I can look at these things and say, oh, that's going to be very interesting to do to my players. Right. And I think that's one of the things that you get people who you start getting people who have played the game a lot. Uh, and look at this like, oh, this is the challenge here. Okay, knowing my players, they're just going to try and fly over. Here's how we're going to mess with that. So it's just not trivial, you know? And, and I love that. I love that thing of like, well, that's such an easy workaround. It's usually a trap in Scarlet Right. More, they go into detail of flora and fauna, the caverns, mist pools, and, and again, going right back into story hooks. Uh, this is a great book to give you opportunities to create other adventures in Fenrilic. The folk of Fenrir was really interesting. Um, I I really liked the Krampic. I felt like, you know, thinking of Jerry Seinfeld and Krampus. <laughs> it, it did have a very nice holiday theme uh, kind of feel to it. I also kept getting kind of the feel of like maybe a kinder almost like I was just kind of was the thought I had there. So yeah, sure. it kind of goes into the playable races in chapter four. Um, the neat thing about scarred lands is all of the classes or all the races are a little more hardy to survive in this world. You have to be a little bit stronger. Uh, so the Eshek or winter gnomes, I guess, or frost gnomes, I guess, as they're called are kind of that they're just little, frost creatures the cool thing about most of these classes that you'll find is um, all of them have some sort of cold resistance or focus or natural element they also have like a, a dual breed to them so with these guys they are both fey and humanoid um, they are cold dependent due to your frosty flesh you are especially susceptible to heat you are uncomfortable in temperatures above 40 degrees fahrenheit suffer disadvantage on saving throws against fire damage or heat and incur one additional point per damage die from sources that deal fire so everything ab about you is is cold related uh in turn uh harness your nature empower cold based magics you wield receive a plus one bonus to hit and deal damage uh, the spell dc of any cold spell you cast is increased by one um 
elemental traits. You are immune to cold damage and the effects of severe cold. And that seems to be a pretty consistent theme for anybody that lives through here. Uh, I like that they uh, only need four hours of sleep. Uh, they do know a few natural uh, ice-based spells, uh, cold snap. Um, they also have the ability to speak with animals, which brings in a little bit of that forest gnome style play to it. Uh, their weapon proficiency is a natural a hooked hammer, which I think is it's an ice pick. Makes sense. Right. I was going to say, I'll let you talk about the Krampic then. Oh, I think they're fun. So the Krampic, uh, so it says, For generations untold, the little hardy people known as the Krampic have served one oppressor or another. They toil throughout the tunnels under Fenrilic with no knowledge of their origins, save a scant oral history that they maintain despite their overlords. Only a handful have found freedom, guarding it with a tenacity rarely seen on Skarn. Now, it does talk a lot about the Skray, which is a creature that we will talk about here in just a little bit. So we're just going to skip that. We'll go to the physical description here. Small stature, Krampic tend to be a foot and a half shorter than a human. At first class, or first glance, they seem harmless, even cute, which the artwork is very cute. A misconception that Krampic can use to their advantage. Their large eyes are nearly entirely black, adapted to their dark comb. Flat, bushy tails trail behind their satyr-like legs, aiding their balance. Another prominent Krampic feature are opposable antennas that sprout from their head just about above the eyebrows one would not be blamed for mistaking them for eight inch horns they have hardened exterior and in fact i thought they were horns uh they have hardened exterior exoskeleton exterior exoskeleton similar to an ibex horn uh, these stalks are constantly active swaying and perking in the direction of stimuli however they are most animated when crampics speak as the crampacky language directly incorporates their movement Going into a little bit of the uh, benefits of them here. Got to find it here. Ability score increased. Your dexterity score increases by two. And either your constitution or your charisma score increases by one. Krampic mature in their late teens and few live beyond 120 years. Typical Krampic is just under three and a half feet tall and weighs just over 60 foot or 60 pounds. Your size is small. So it does say born born with an inner fire. This is kind of going to what you were talking about, Nolan, with the immunities and things like that. Uh, though you make your home within hot ch spring chambers deep beneath the tundra, you travel off into the deep ice and frozen tunnels of Fenrilic. You have resistance to cold damage, which a lot of these Fenrilic-y creatures do. Uh, and immunity to the effects of extreme cold weather. In addition, as a bonus action, you may use the bioluminescence of your torso and hands, uh, hands exposed skin, to cast a dim light in any color you choose out to 60 feet. While using this feature, you, of course, have disadvantage on dexterity stealth checks, and you, you can use this feature up to 20 minutes per day and may douse the light at will. Um, so just interesting. Again, I, I really liked the Krampic. I thought these were a really neat-sounding race. I like that they do, and I think this is a scarred lens as well. If they have something on their body that makes them look weird, most likely they use it. Um, you talked about like the right. cloven hooves. It helps them. Uh, they have advantage in climbing. Uh, athletic checks that involve climbing, they have that. Uh, when climbing natural vertical surface, you have the same movement speed as running. So again, the hooves are there for evolution or survival. Uh, their big doe eyes. Disarming appearance. A Krampus appearance causes many foes to let down their guard. You must first success, or your first successful attack against a medium or large creature in combat does additional damage equal to your character level times two. After all other damage has been calculated, creatures that have taken damage in such an attack are not vulnerable to it again, having learned their lesson so you just kind of hit them with the puppy dog guys and then have sneak attack style damage uh yeah <laughs> i like it these here uh too because of what they are um you get to learn primordial which i thought was kind of cool kind of deals with that uh double race type class so yeah neat neat character or neat race uh, i really enjoyed that one what do we got the Taslin, Tasline. I don't know. That's another one of those ones. Just tell me how to say the damn thing. Right. Uh, Taslin, which again are a very Scarlands has some in classes with the hollowed ones. This one here, uh, from my understanding, is you're more or less kind of a uh, frozen ooze that is solidified into an icicle that has imprinted from another living creature to be uh, uh, a copy of it. 
and that is exactly as weird as it sounds. Uh, Natasin appears to be a human perfectly sculpted from ice down to the minute details with eyes that glitter like the rising sun reflecting off pristine snow. Physical features vary between Talison based upon the specific humanoid each Talison has imprinted from. So you can, you are kind of a copy of a memory of an old awakened druidic type ooze. Uh, they, uh, they get some neat abilities, basically whoever they were imprinted from, they copy those stats. So if you are an imprint from an orc, you can add three to your strength and constitution scores by one. Um, so, you know, you can look like whatever you are, but you're still kind of a block of ice, uh, in their original form, ice wardens can live for hundreds of years. Uh, it is unknown if Talison retains such lifespans or if they have, or if they take natural lifespans of their imprinted host, no Talison has yet died of old age. So whether they're fairly new or it's just not known, um, it's kind of interesting, uh, for senses, it says your ooze origin grants you blind sight. You perceived what is around you within 60 feet, though you're unable to see features and details. Uh, in addition, you see the world as the creatures you imprinted from did, including dark vision if your host had it. Uh, so I like that as well. Some interesting things is if you die, your form shatters and reverts to a semi-animate ooze state like that of an ice warden. Of, of an ice warden. Uh, if revived by magic or similar effects, your body returns to its humanoid form. So you die and shatter like glass. And then you're just kind of an oozy puddle on the ground for your friends to pick up and throw in a jar. Uh, your nature type is ooze and humanoid. Uh, and then same thing. You are immune to cold damage but are vulnerable to bludgeoning and fire since you are ice. Uh, in addition, you cannot be blinded, deafened, or suffer from exhaustion because you're an ice cube. Go figure. Yes. And that was all the new races, right? Yep. Three new races. Yep. So then we get into some new subclasses. Um, do we want to talk about those or how do you want to do that? Yeah, we can. I will be brief since it's usually where I like to ramble. So <laughs> sure. uh, the, these here are very cool. Uh, one of the things I really liked about it is it kind of sets the tone for the area that they're in uh, with the Bard College is the College of Hope. And they talk about with the lack of light and the lack of warmth in the area, uh, uh, inspiration is and, and, and that is the next best thing. So it is a very big deal. People are very happy to see a bard, to hear their stories, to hear a song, to be revived and brought, you know, back, uh, which I thought was really cool. It kind of sets the, again, sets the tone of the area of people are just kind of living there, reaching out for happiness when they can find it. It kind of makes it bleak, but at the same time, an opportunity to come to this place and, I don't know, maybe make a difference. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in a big, I want to be a hero phase right now, so... Uh, some of the stuff that they get is comforting touch. You can boost morale and determination when you touch a willing creature. You can expend one of your bardic inspirations and grant them temporary hit points. Scales as you level. Uh, calming words. You can soothe worries and offer them courage while establishing a temporary bond of trust. So you get some bonuses to charisma persuasion and charisma deception checks. Um, Song of Warmth, uh, I like that they deal with when a humanoid dies within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to hum a sweet melody that lures the target's soul into a glass container in your possession. Uh, and once you do that, they kind of stabilize. It gives you 10 days to get them the healing they need, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, also added for a new class is a monk tradition called Way of the Winter Soul. This here was kind of neat because it adds some opportunities to not only do your fist do bludgeoning, you can spend a couple of key points and your unarmed strikes can now become fire or cold damage uh, because of winter soul magic. Uh, your unarmed strikes have a reach of 10 feet as they uh, radiate intense heat or cold. And you may have each hand deal a different type. So that way if you are fighting something that needs to take some fire damage, you're there. I, I thought that was really cool. kind of adds to some fun flavor of the mysticism of the monk. Um, Dance of the Winter Soul, starting at sixth level, you can spend one key point as a bonus action, and your body uh, basically blends in with the element around you for the next 10 minutes. You have resistance to fire and cold damage. You can sense the movement of fog, steam, and snow. As a result, you treat areas that are heavily obscured from fog, steam, or snow as if they're lightly obscured. And lightly obscured areas as if they are completely clear. So the neat thing about this one here is 
for two key points, you can have uh, fighty, punchy fists. Uh, for one key point, you can have resistance to fire and cold damage at sixth level. Then eleventh level, they come together. Your mastery over thermogeoregulation intensifies which is not something I ever thought would be a monk thing. When you have both your strike and dance activated, you get the following benefits. When a source would deal damage to you uh, that is cold or fire, you can reduce that damage by 1d10 plus your wisdom modifier plus your monk level. You may use your reaction to reflect that damage towards any target within 10 feet of you. Once on each of your turns, you may hit a target with an unarmed strike that deals fire or cold damage. You may add, an, add that dice, an extra martial arts dice to that damage, and your movement is not slowed by difficult terrain in Arctic environments. So all of a sudden, you're legless running across the snow, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and, and for their capstone, uh, the uh, while well, acclimated to the area, you do not suffer any negative effects from the local temperature, and you may spend t- 10 key points as a bonus action on your turn to activate sh- your strike and dance for 10 minutes with the following additional benefits. A thin layer of frost covers your body, giving you plus two to your AC. You may use your reaction to thicken the frost around you. You gain a temporary hit points to 1d10 plus your wisdom modifier plus your monk level until the end of your turn. So if you know a big hit's coming or you're trying to tank for a moment, uh, you can beef yourself up. And you move. Uh, you may use your reaction to become immune to cold or fire damage until your next turn. So that way if you're fighting a big frost dragon or something like that, uh, you have a reaction to protect yourself to just stand in the fire's breath, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. I've, um, it, it was a nice mysticism style, kind of a play on the four elements, but more focused. And I think that made it stronger. Yeah, I would agree. Ranger's next, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so the ranger they call is the ice walker. And fitting as a ranger is, a master of an element or an area, a leader of people in the woods. Uh, This one here is all about the icy domain, adding some new spells that deal with misty steps, sleet storms, snow, conjure minor element, ice or water only, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Biting cold. At third level, you imbue your attacks with cold of your glacial climb. Whenever you hit a creature with your weapon, it deals an extra 1d8 cold damage. Uh, You can only do this once per turn, so it's kind of like the old hunter's mark. Uh, or not Hunter's Mark, uh, Giant Slayer from, from Hunter Ranger. And this actually scales. So at 7th level, it becomes a D10. And at 11th level, it becomes a D12. So a little a little nice scaling sneak attack style ability, which I think is a huge help to the Ranger. Uh, at 3rd level, you immediately gain the Arctic as a favorite terrain. Uh, if you already have selected Arctic terrain, you may instead select another type of desert mountain or underground additionally treat any climate that is currently experiencing a cold winter season as arctic so anywhere that it's snow you are an expert in it which leads me to believe that this guy probably is santa claus so you gain resistance to cold damage and immunity to the effects of extreme cold weather so even if you're not one of those fancy races that come with that built in you've now lived in the winter so long that you are learned how to deal with it seventh level you deepen your connection to the arctic and gain immunity to cold damage uh seventh level your control over the harsh cold is akin to that of an ice elemental as an action you can create a simple tool and or weapon from ice itself these items may have no moving parts and may not have the two-handed property there must be enough ice available to create the intended item items created in this feature last for 1d6 hours or until directly exposed to heat equivalent to a torch any fire damage dealt to the object and it destroys it immediately. At 11th level, ice weapons you create are considered magical and have a plus one to attack and damage rolls. At 15th level, the bonus increases to plus two. Here's my favorite part of the whole thing, and it's a silly thing. With enough time, you could create a shelter that protects others from the cold. With 10 minutes of channeling, you craft a round hut of ice that accommodates up to eight people of medium size. Any fire built within the hut, uh, central fire peat heats the entire of the hut without melting the walls. So... You, I see your t- uh, layman's tiny hut, and I raise you icy glue. That is, that's not a bad feature to have in Fenrilic. I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought that was really cool. Give me 10 minutes, I'll build you an igloo, and you'll be safe. Uh, 11th level, uh, your senses extend through the snow and ice that surround you. With pre uh, uh, preternatural awareness and snowy conditions, you have advantage on wisdom perception checks. Additionally, you can cast clairvoyance without expending a spell slot uh, without the need for material components uh, once per long rest. Uh, 
15th level, you've become one with the frozen home. Ice covers your form, shielding you from harm and sh uh, shattering any icy barrage and retaliation to attacks. When you take damage from attack, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to all of that attack's damage on this turn except for fire damage. After that damage is resolved, the icy shell explodes and causes 1d12 cold damage to all creatures of your choice within a 15-foot radius. So turn yourself into a little ice bomb. I, I like it. I think it's really neat. Anytime a ranger gets to make weapons uh, and fight with them, uh, does some extra damage, I would play it. I think it's cool. To be fair, you'd play most rangers, though. I would, and I would hate most rangers. <laughs> so this is what I would think I would enjoy. I would... I'd, this here just kind of it does some cool stuff i think this with maybe a little combination of tasha's you would have a pretty fun guy Gal, right right furry ooze Iceman, whatever you decide to play in this here yep the the last one is ushada marked sorcerer origin uh this one here kind of took on the Kind of the wild surge uh sorcerer feel for me they have a primal surge now so you are kind of uh it is easy to control the primal forces of nature. Starting at first level, whenever you roll a natural one on a spell attack roll, you lose control of the power within you. Roll on the primal surge table. So it is similar to the wild surge. Uh, some of this stuff here is all active spells cast by creatures within 30 feet of you are immediately ending, which if your cleric is running bless and you botch that for them, they might be upset. Uh, haste goes away, could be bad, but it could also be good if it's happening by the enemy. Uh, a powerful gust of wind swirls around you. You and each creature within five feet of you must make a strength saving throw against your spell DC or take bludgeoning damage equal to your sorcerer level. So you could accidentally kill yourself or accidentally kill five goblins around you. Fire erupts around you. Uh, you and each creature within five feet of you must make a dexterity saving throw against your spell to save DC or take fire damage equal to your sorcerer class. Uh, and then the temperature around you suddenly drops. Uh, freezing the ground and everything around you. You and each creature within five feet of you must make a constitution saving throw against your spell DC or take cold damage equal to your sorcerer level. So for the most part, it seems to be fairly bad. <laughs> Which I guess you rolled a one, you kind of deserved yeah. it. Um, for If you roll a five, uh, you summon a number of local beasts equal to your sorcerer level. The GM chooses what type of beasts are summoned, but they cannot be greater than a CR2. Then roll a d4. On a four, the beasts are friendly to you and you and will act to defend you. On a one, the beasts are hostile towards you and will attack. On a two to three, the beasts are neutral and will attack and defend themselves only. I It is just, a scarred lance. <laughs> getting murdered by violent squirrels would be something that would happen to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, on uh, level six, or rolling a six, the sound of whispers fill your mind. Until the beginning of your next turn, you are paralyzed, but you have advantage on your next attack roll. Uh, so that's kind of the primal search table. Uh, primal instincts is your first level ability. Uh, you have an instinctive connection to the world around you. You may make wisdom ability checks with advantage. Once you use this ability, you cannot do so again until you finish a long rest or you trigger a primal trigger a primal surge. So I like that idea that you bosh something and it resets. Uh, starting at sixth level, whenever a source would deal acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage to you or a target you can see, you can use your reaction and spend two sorcery points to increase or decrease that damage by an amount equal to your sorcerer level, which I thought was kind of, could be pretty neat. Just, hey, listen, I, I see what you're doing there with that lightning bolt. I'm going to add 10 damage to it. Uh 14th level, you gain control over your primal surge. You automatically succeed on all primal surge saving throws. As an action, you can spend two sorcery points to roll on the primal surge table or four sorcery points to activate the primal surge effect of your choice. So now you've taken this hindrance that's burdened you your entire existence and made it something more. Now all of a sudden you're choosing to botch your your role and succeed on that and have everything you know freeze to the ground or whatever so i thought that was kind of cool 18th level your connection to a shot of fully awakens choose one of the following uh or roll a d6 to determine what kind of awakening you will go through once chosen this effect is permanent uh, so this here gives you a few options of uh, one being spirit of the still night the air around you seems unnaturally still and your voice never echoes you see normally in darkness both magical and non-magical to a distance of 60 feet whenever you are dealt damage from a spell reduce that damage by an amount equal to your charisma modifier 
so basically a spirit of whatever you are kind of comes in and helps and it's not a bad capstone. So no, not at all. I, it so, would, you would have to play it for the long game. It would be really disappointing to play a campaign that stops at level 13, just when you were about ready to master your primal search. Right, <laughs> but right. other than that, you know, I thought it was cool that uh, they did add a few new spells in this chapter, all some magic items dealing with ice. Uh, yeah, same thing. Frost rings, icicle wands, uh, the hooked hammers, uh, you know, big thing with uh, Scarlands or Boons uh, and tattoos. So, yeah, that was that was kind of chapter four was all for the, the the players. Yep. And chapter five is all for the DMs because it's the creatures of Fenrilic. And we're not going to go into a lot of details about these so much because especially since one day Nolan is hoping to play in it. I do have to mention, I kind of pointed it out earlier because it is one of these things where you just go, what the fuck? And that is the crawling glacier. So let me, let me get to that real quick. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So I'm just going to summarize real quickly. It says, occasionally it is said that these creatures appear randomly overnight. That doesn't make sense, but <laughs> looming where nothing previously stood. Further examination, even from a distance, reveals beams, trees, large animal skeletons, and even a section of timber wall inside. They are not frozen in place, but rather drift slowly within the mass. A clear path or behind the creature shows where it has moved. These things show up and wipe out towns. Like, it's like, oh, look, a crawling glacier is coming. What should we do? Be nice to wake up and go out and stretch and see what's going on and then be like, I don't think that mountain was there before. <laughs> right. And why is it, is it moving? And, and, it, and it moves at a, at a speed of five feet. So it's like, is it moving? I think it's moving. Is it moving? Should we leave? Maybe we shouldn't leave. Maybe we should leave. And then all of a sudden you're just like, well, I guess we probably should have left. And, and now we're all dead. And there's no fighting this thing either because it's got an AC of 19. An AC of 19. It's an, I mean, it's massive. And it's got an AC. The only, and I got to think, I was like, why is it so? It's got to be the ice. The ice is so thick that you just can't do damage to it. Um, yep. AC of 19, hit points is 492. <laughs> Holy shit. And don't you dare try to strength check this thing. It's got a strength of 30. Now, that being said, it's got a dexterity of one, <laughs> constitution of 30. So you're not going to poison the thing. Uh, intellect of one, wisdom of one, charisma of one. So, I mean, but then it says condition immunity is blinded, charmed, deafened, exhausted, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, restrained, stunned. And the list goes on. No, it doesn't. It stops there. <laughs> yeah. It's a CR23. Yep, that's all you need to know. CR23. It understands Titan speech, but cannot speak. This thing is a badass. Yeah, this is the thing that you show. It's like, well, folks, it's I'm the really darest. tired of it. Yeah, I'm it, I'm tired of darest. your shit. I'm done with you guys. I'm just yeah. Here's a crawling glacier. Fuck off. Yep. Every time you sleep, it gets colder for some reason because this thing is just going to follow you. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, I I, I think this is. I just, I laughed when I saw this creature. I'm like, what the hell? And then I read it. I'm like, this thing is so good. It is pretty awesome. It really is. Uh, so after that, it goes into some story hooks for the book uh, for DMs to look at and try to incorporate Fenrilic into their uh, campaign, into their Scarlands game. Um, so overall, I think we both agree this is a great supplement. Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I'm not one that's a huge fan usually of the environment being so brutal, but they gave enough ways to kind of not necessarily get around it. But if you're playing in the setting, um, if you're going there, if you're going to be there, there's some opportunities to either be one of those characters and live around with it and, and deal with the extreme cold or like with the ranger, eventually get used to it. Um, but sometimes that is a tough thing of like, Hey, you're playing rhyme of the frost maiden or something, uh, or you're going to Cholt. Makes me instantly not want to play a plate wear in class because I don't want to deal with that. You know, you're gonna die of exhaustion wearing plate armor. So I don't like I don't usually don't like that kind of stuff where it's like this is gonna affect how I play my class, or I'm not gonna get to play what I necessarily want to, or I'm going to build a character that's gonna thrive in this and it's not gonna be a challenge. And so they did right. some nice ways of taking all the stuff that I thought I was gonna dislike about it and made it really well. I mean really good. I like I said, I would I would play the ranger, I would play the monk. Um I probably wouldn't play the sorcerer just because of my luck. I mean, I would get eaten by a pack of rabbit squirrels because of a primal surge very quickly. 
Uh, but yeah, that the races are cool. I I want to be a I want to be a ooze humanoid ice half elf ice walking ranger. Then I'll just be happy. So yeah, like I said, it is available on um, Drive Through RPG. You can get the PDF for nine ninety five. You can get the soft cover premium color book, which, which is what I got for nineteen ninety five, or you can get the multiple formats, both the PDF and the soft cover book, for twenty nine ninety nine. Looks like it's currently on sale for twenty one ninety five, uh, unless that's because I bought that. No, I bought both of them. So, um, and I haven't signed in, so I shouldn't know that. So yeah, there is a link in the show notes to purchase this book, and I, and I have to echo what Nolan said. This is this is a really good book. Scarlands tends to be one of the more brutal D&D settings to play in, uh, but it's in a wide open world. Whereas, you know, we've talked quite a bit about this, whereas in Faerun, there's some things that you just can't do. You're not going to kill Dritz. You're not going to kill Elminster. In Scarlands, some of the bigger baddies that we've dealt with, you actually have a chance of killing. You actually sometimes work towards killing them. Uh, in fact, Mahiel in Vengeance of the Shunned, Mahiel could very easily be, uh, you know, a very powerful NPC that you could never touch, but it's written in such a way that that is your goal is to stop her in some way, be it kill her or, or other means. So I like that aspect of the scarred lands. I love the fact that this is a community content created book. Uh, this is not something that was put out by Onyx path. We've said that before. So when you purchase this, you're actually supporting those individual authors and not a big conglomerate, which I have no problem supporting like Onyx path or even Watsi, uh, especially if the, if the book is good, but this is just one of those, in my opinion, one of those community content books that stands out above the rest. And I, and Nolan, I think would agree with me. We cannot recommend Scarred Lands enough. And we've talked about a lot of just the enjoyment of a $10 supplement book. You know, I don't need a huge hardback. Don't get me wrong. I like collector's editions. I love that stuff as much as the next person, but a good $10, $15 book uh, that I can add to my game that I may not use all the time, uh, but it's a fair price point. Absolutely. And and this is something that I complained about before is I'm tired of all the D&D books being $50. So we used to be able to go and pay $13, $14 and pick up a module and have a story, you know, have a story that's going to last us a few weeks. Whereas now if I don't spend the 50 bucks, I don't get the, the module and to go along or to tell the story. And, and I get tired of spending $50 on a book that we're going to play once and then put away. Now, to be fair, I have a lot of books that I've spent $50 on that are just put away. Um, in fact, I've, I've, it's a personal goal for 2021, not to spend so much money on books. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I think I've already blown that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I will echo it. It's, it's a nice setting. Uh, we've had good luck with anything that we've played with it. Um, the community has been really nice. The creators have been always helpful to chat with us about their game. And th that's been the big thing is anytime we've had those conversations, uh, they're just so excited for people to play it. Uh, they want people to come in and suffer in the world uh, that they've created and enjoy it because it's uh, that passion rings through and that's really awesome. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, that is our show for this week. We will, of course, this is not our normally scheduled time. We're supposed to be on Sundays at 9 a.m., but we hit some snags both in Discord and in your setup, but it sounds like we got that worked out, so we should be live next Sunday at 9 a.m., correct? Oh, man, I hope so. I hope it works. Me Everything too. works, and, and then it doesn't, and then it does. So We're, uh, we're still getting this figured out, that's for sure. It, it was a nice trial run, so yep it was but we should have it hopefully we have it all worked out and we will join you next week which i'm not sure what we're talking about yet but nolan and i will get that figured out and let you all know uh, you can find us on instagram on twitter on facebook all at 307 rpg if you have suggestions if you have something that you think we should talk about please hit us up and let us know we are excited to be live we're excited to be able to interact with those of you who are listening if you weren't able to check us out on this very first stream remember we will be live next sunday 9 a.m u.s mountain time um I hope you can come join us and chat with us. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye.